0: Type of outlook based on our heart condition. And uh, this is the battle that seems to be uh, growing in intensity almost by the hour in the day that we live. And what we're finding is a lot of uh, intimidation taking place by um, a fairly vocal minority uh, of folks that are causing people to be intimidated uh, with scripture based. Uh, principles. Uh, Your defense in an argument uh, doesn't hold much water anymore if you say, but the Bible says. I've been appreciative of the few congressmen and women that I have listened to some of their uh, speeches in Congress as they refer to the Bible and say the Bible teaches this and they teach the moral principle of Scripture. But the sad thing is the, the opposing side will oftentimes take a Scripture out of context and quote it right back. And so what we're finding is an intimidation of folks to depart from the, the basis of Scripture for our authority. As, as believers in Christ and Bible believers, and I would say as a Baptist, we believe that our authority comes from Scripture. And when this gets undermined, the Bible speaks to the fact that if uh, if truth has fallen in the streets, what can the righteous do? Uh, there's, there's not much left if the foundations are destroyed and truth has fallen in the streets. Uh, we're, we're struggling with that battle now. And we shouldn't be having it. The reason we're having it is because for a long time, our foundation of the Word of God was being eroded while we stood idly by and it is only at this time where we begin to start seeing the urgency of speaking up and doing some things that we've kind of gotten on the bandwagon to try to defend it and try to uphold it try to reinforce it again. Uh, we find uh, people attacking uh, things such as the sanctity of life. And uh, rest assured, Satan is, is very shrewd. I don't want to give him more credit than, than, than he's due. I certainly, I, I don't want to build him up in some way. But he is not a dummy. Uh, He's very, very smart. He's very crafty. And um, he began years ago uh, undermining the sanctity of life when he caused people to begin supporting and holding to a theory of evolution rather than the creation story. If men and women believe that they are descendants from animals, that they're nothing more than animals themselves, then there is no sanctity of life. But if we understand from scripture, and in Genesis chapter number three, or Genesis chapter number two, excuse me, and verse number seven, the Bible says that he formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We understand that man is not an animal, he has a soul that is going to live somewhere for eternity. We begin to see some of the sanctity of the life. They attack this. They attack the sanctity of being made in God's image by trying to blur genders. The fact that God made male and female in His image. Male and female created He them, the Bible says, and that's in reference to being created in His image. And only as we fulfill the gender we are created in, in its entirety, do we honestly reflect the image of God. A woman, then, must be 100% woman in order to reflect the image that God created her in. And a man is the same way. He must be 100% man. Or he cannot uh, honestly reflect the image that God created him in. It's very important. Gender identity is being eroded and being attacked. And again, we have waited far too long to support these things and to stand up for these things and to be vocal about them. There were some things that were said, but with timidity and with the lack of boldness and certainly without the power of God upon us. And a token effort was made at best in years past to put a break, put the brakes or put a stop to some of these things. Uh, there's a, an undermining of the sanctity of marriage this began back in the 60s with the free love movement in the 50s when they began to shack up and not worry about being married. And um, again, a lot of this stemming from uh, evolution, the teaching of evolution. If you're no better than an animal, then what big deal is there to be married? Uh, Animals don't go through a marriage ceremony. And uh, again, that took a big part of it. Uh, When they began to deny God and the existence of God, Uh, Based on the evolution teaching, um, then there was no reason to say, well, we need to be married before God. There's no picture there that God has made sacred because it pictures our relationship with Him. Uh, Over and over again, we could go down through a list of things that are being attacked. We have uh, an undermining of the creation story. By the way, I was reading an article this week about two different books of our Bible that Satan hates more than any of them. And that is the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. He's, he's done everything to try to undermine those two books. He doesn't want men to understand the, the, the end outcome. He wants to be able to deceive men. And if he can get men to doubt the creation story by saying that there's science to disprove it, and men are convinced of this, if he can undermine the Genesis story, he can undermine the rest of Scripture in that person's mind. Rest assured, there's a battle going on for the hearts and the minds and the souls of people. We find that men are trying to encourage rebellion against authority at all costs. They're trying to defund the police and take away the authority. They're trying to say every man should be able to be the uh, law unto themselves, uh, be able to do as they would see fit. By the way, that's what the Bible refers to as every man doing that which was right in his own eyes. The imagination of his heart being only evil continually. The Bible says that's the way it was in the days of Noah. And when it gets to be as it was in the days of Noah, the Bible says, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We're living in the last days. We're seeing these things happen before our eyes. We find that there is a a work in hand and underfoot to divide people by race and by financial status, by uh, their politics, and I'll even say this, by their religion. And there is a divisiveness going on. In Ephesians chapter number 5, if you will look with me in verse number 15, Paul writes this, "...see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise." For a long time we have uh, buried our head in the sand. It's not been that we haven't known these things were going on. We just didn't think it was really that big of an issue. We didn't think the consequences would be so drastic." And it got much further down the road than we ever thought it would before we sat up and realized it got a lot further down the road than we ever thought it would. Because we failed to walk circumspectly. We failed to keep our eyes open, to be aware of what was going on around us. We, we failed in our own lives as we saw the little things. You know the little things? The things that we think, oh, that's not going to hurt anything. It's just the little thing. We let them slip. And the next thing you know, there was another little thing. The problem was this little thing was a little bit bigger than the other little thing, but not much. And so we let it slide. And then again and again and again, until we find now we live in a day where even people who name the name of Christ are wicked and ungodly in their moral character. When we measure ourselves according to the Word of God, we do not measure up. There ought to be a desire, there ought to be a drive in our hearts to live the way the Bible says to live. And once we do that, and once we get to the place where we're growing in those areas, we need to be willing to go out and teach and to train others the same thing. We need to be vocal about it. If a minority in this world can be very vocal and cause such drastic changes in our society, that a minority of God's people with the power of God resting upon them, standing up boldly and proclaiming the Word of God, can be as effective, if not more so. And there's a time that is needed, and the time is now, for men and women of God to stand up boldly and know their Bibles, study their Bibles, be able to proclaim the truth of this book. There's some things I want to try to help us with. As of June thirtieth, 2020, there was a few... Um, Uh, survey that was done, and they went around and asked a number of several thousand Americans how many of them were proud to be an American, the United States of America. And June the 30th of 2020, there were only 17% that said, I am proud to be an American, to be in the country that we believe is a Christian nation, a nation that God has ordained, a nation that God has had His hand of blessing upon. A nation that God has used to evangelize literally most of the known world in times past. We have reached a point where people don't even recognize that America anymore. We don't even see it. There are some things that I think we need to make sure we do and that we're very careful of. A man years ago said this. He said, not until I went into the churches of America... And heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness, did I understand the secret and genius of her power? America is good because uh, America is great because America is good, someone said. If America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Can I tell you this? And we spent a little bit of time on it in the uh, morning service this morning. We are not going to solve our problems in our country in Washington, D.C. Our pulpits and our churches have got to be aflame with the power of God resting upon them. We've got to have a generation of Christians who study and know and memorize and handle the Word of God skillfully and are bold and willing to do so. And we're living in a time where many people do not take the time to read or to study or to understand the Scriptures. I've said so often before, I'm thankful when somebody says, Pastor, I have... Somebody I'd like to have you talk to. And I'm thankful and I'm glad to talk to them anytime. But all that we would have people in our church pews that would know how to do this. A number of years ago, there was a fellow that was named Tubbs, Captain Tubbs. He was a member of the first Baptist church that originally Roger Williams had started in Providence, Rhode Island. Later on, John Clark was the pastor there. But Calvin Tubbs, who was a merchant ship captain, uh, sailed uh, uh, several of his ships over to Hamburg, Germany, and uh, would do trading there uh, back in the 1600s. And one winter, he got uh, wintered. He got iced in while he was there in Germany. He couldn't get out of port. He had to seek a refuge. He had to seek a place to stay. And, and for the winter months, he found a Lutheran minister called Johann Anken. And he uh, met with this fellow and he was able to stay at his house. They had many nights of discussing Scripture. Calvin Tubbs was not a preacher of the Gospel. He was a layman in the church. He was just a member of the church that knew his Bible. Back then, the, the, uh, the state religion in Germany was, uh, was Lutheranism, and so they, uh, they required you to be a Lutheran. And uh, they believed in infant baptism. They believed in um, a baptismal regeneration. And uh, Johann Anken and Calvin Tubbs would sit for hours at night having these discussions about Scripture. In the course of it, Johan Anken, who was the Lutheran minister, understood the error that he was teaching. And he became a Christian. He trusted Christ as his Savior. And several in his house also did. There were five saved total in that household. And he asked Calvin Tubbs as he left, he said, would you send somebody to... Uh, baptize us. And Calvin Tubbs says, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a minister of the gospel. He said, but I'll see what I can do. He sailed back home to Providence, Rhode Island. And eight years later, he heard of a man, a preacher by the name of Sears, who was going to go over to England and to Cambridge and study for a season. And he asked Brother Sears, he said, "If while you're over there, if you have time, I'd like for you to go over and visit my friend, Johann Onken. He said, you can go over and see him. He was saved eight years ago. He's waiting to be baptized. Could you imagine waiting eight years to be baptized? When he got there, they had to go down to the river at night. It was very cold. It was against the law. You could be thrown in jail in Germany for being baptized uh, by scriptural baptism. They went down to the river, and Brother Sears baptized all five of those folks. Johann Anken began preaching the gospel message went all over Germany establishing gospel preaching stations and churches. Then he expanded out and he went into most of Europe and across Africa and even into Australia. And by the time of his death, had started over 900 gospel preaching stations and churches. All because a simple ship captain who knew his Bible could sit there and discuss With the power of God resting upon him. And the knowledge of this book, the truth of God's Word. Folks, we sit here and we say, wow, what an amazing story. God can do that through us. We need to know our Bible. We need to to study it. We need to make sure that we can handle it well. And we need to be willing to share it with others. One area that I believe we must make sure that we preach and teach in the generation that we live is the sanctity of life. I think that's an underlying theme when it comes to the destruction of the family, when it comes to the destruction of genders. The sanctity of life is the core of that. It's the foundation of those things. That God created man, and He created man in His image. He created them in that gender because that's what He has intended for them. We need to understand and we need to know our Bible. I'm amazed at how many people who sit in the pews of Bible-preaching churches that hold the King James Bible in their hands and know the doctrine that is right and is following that doctrine. I'm appalled at how many of them will say on one hand in church that they understand and believe the Genesis account of creation, and then out during the week they'll say, well, you know, millions of years ago they found this fossil and there's something to that. Our faith is being undermined, and we do not know our Bibles. We're not handling them skillfully and well. And we need to first and foremost learn to preach the Word of God rightly. We need to learn to preach the Word of God rightly, to study it, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We need to make sure that we are uh, prepared, that we are uh, thoroughly, thoroughly, Uh, prepared to do the work that God's given us to do from God's Word. That we study. I loved the message the other Wednesday night, Brother Dan preached on memorization. Man, I, that was a great message. If you didn't hear that message, you ought to get it and listen to it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, we're in a day where we need to know our Word. And we need to live by it. We got people around us that need to hear us say that this is right or this is wrong. And when they say, How do you know that? Well, you can't say it's my opinion. You better be able to come back and say, because God's Word says it. Let me show you where. Let me teach you why homosexuality is not right, according to God. Let me teach you why it is sinful. Let me teach you why immorality and fornication and uh, living outside the bonds of marriage together is wrong. Let me teach you that from Scripture. Let's teach our young people. Let's teach why it is, it's wrong for someone to, to go against authority and be rebellious to the authority that God has placed over them. Whether it be a child or an adult. I know some adults that, on the one hand, get mad at their kids for not being obedient to them, and then they're not obedient to the civil authority over them. Can I tell you this? It's just as important for adults to obey as it is for kids. We wonder why our kids say, Well, I can break the, I don't have to obey authority. I can do whatever I want to do because mom and dad do. I mean, they don't obey civil authorities. Can I say this? We need to know the Word of God. We need to live the Word of God. We need to teach it rightly. We need to make sure that we understand the precepts of this book. We need to stop, number two, we need to stop mimicking and getting drawn in. By the wordplay of those that would defy God's word, they 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 twist us up into questions and and statements. And can I tell you this? We waste an awful lot of time debating, and we waste a lot of time debating the wrong thing. I was I was sitting in a meeting about six or seven weeks ago. Uh, well, I'll tell you when it was. It was during the time where they were just about to make the decision on Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. That's 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 when it was because that was why the topic was brought up. I was sitting at a table with a couple of other men, and they were discussing the morality of pro-life or pro-choice. And they said, well, and they were both, they said, we're both pro-life, but, you know, there there could be. Couldn't there? And what, what about this situation? And what about that situation? They started bringing up specific situations. They brought up rape, and I said, you know what? Just because a man raped somebody and there was a child conceived, doesn't make it right to murder the child. Don't let the victim become the one that's that's the oppressor and, and victimizes a little baby on top of being a victim herself. And then they brought up the issue. They said, well, what about? Uh, what about when you uh, have it in a laboratory and, and things are done in a laboratory? Uh, do, you know, some of them don't take or some of them don't do. Uh, is that right or is that wrong? Is that morally right? Is there life there? I said, you're asking the wrong question. And they're, 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 they're great at, at posing the wrong questions and getting us to bite on them and getting us to debate them. I said, should we be doing it in the, in the laboratory in the first place? That's the question we should be asking first. They're getting us to discuss the wrong things. We need to walk circumspectly. We need to have some wisdom about us. And we need to have the Holy Spirit's guidance in being able to respond to these things in the world. That we're not sucked into the things that, that they, 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 they word things in such a way. I, I'm not going to get political here, but I'm going to just give you an illustration of this. A number of years ago, when someone came across our border illegally, they were known as an illegal alien. You notice even conservative people call them illegal immigrants now. They're not immigrants at all. They're still an alien. And I'm not trying to get on to political matters here. What I'm saying is they do things like that subtly, and then they get us to debate, and we begin debating the wrong issue. We need to come back and debate the issue from a scriptural point of view. We need to find the principle of Scripture. And that's what we've got to stand on. So we have to quit mimicking and following after the verbiage and the, the things that these people are saying and using. We need to come back to the Bible. Every single time we need to come back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? I was uh, a number of years ago, uh, and I've, I've said this answer probably for 25 years now, I would say at least. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, how do you, how do you talk to somebody who is an atheist? And I say the same answer every time. Give them Scripture. But they're an atheist. Give them Scripture. The Bible says that the Word of God is quick and what? Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And if the Word of God cannot work in that person's heart, what makes us think our logic is going to or our philosophy, or our point of view. And so when we're dealing with people, let's give them Scripture. Let's teach them Scripture. We're living in a world, folks, where we've got to walk circumspectly and understand the the times. And then we've got to know this book. And we've got to handle this book. And we've got to use this book. And we've got to declare this book and proclaim it everywhere we go. And I'm not talking about preachers here. I'm talking about every person that sits in the pew of a church and holds a Bible in their hand. We need to be ready. We need to be well prepared. And then not only do we need to handle the Word of God and know how to give an answer according to that, above all, we need to preach the Gospel message of the book. That is the answer. The Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And I tell you this, we can sit here and preach and teach Scripture all day long, and we should and we ought to. But some of the reason a lot of people cannot follow, cannot follow through with these things and understand them and know them is because they're not saved. We need to have a revival of God's people working and laboring towards reaching people with the Gospel. If you have a worker that you work with or a neighbor that you work with that has a Bible question... I don't know. It, it could be any Bible question. What about Jonah and the male? How did that happen? Or what about David and Goliath? How did that happen? Or you know, where did Cain get his wife from? How did that? They may come up with all kinds of questions for you. Somehow, use that as an opportunity to get the gospel message to them. They need to know the Word of God, and they cannot understand it fully until they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. Folks, we're living in a time where we as God's people are running around shrugging our shoulders saying, I don't know what we can do. There's a whole lot we can do. We just got to do it. We need to know this book. We need to study it. We need to know it inside and out. We we need to be able to quote Scripture. We need to be able to to turn to passages. We need to be able to show people This is what the Bible says. This is not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. This is what God has for us. And folks, the answers for America are not going to come out of legislation. They're going to come out of the pews and out of the pulpits of our churches. As we as God's people take this book, couple it with the power of the Holy Ghost upon us, and proclaim it boldly to a world that needs to hear it. We need to do that sooner rather than later. Because the days we're living in are growing worse and worse. You say, well, Brother Greg, you got a little... I wrote a little book on Tower of the Flock. Brother Mark wrote him a little book. Well, those things, they're not going to ever do much. They're going to do something. And I'd rather do something than sit at home fretting and biting my nails saying, I don't know what I should do. Do something. Write a book. Pass out a track. Post something on Facebook. Make a phone call. Talk to somebody. Write things. Post things. Send it to the newspaper. Get involved in making a difference. let's not just sit at home idly by while this world is going the direction it's going and shrug our shoulders and say, I just don't know what to do. For there is a whole lot that we can do. We've just got to do it. Let's stand together, shout we, with Ted's mouth. Father, we pray that You'll help inspire and instill our hearts, stir someone today. Help our hearts to be so committed to trying to reach people, to make a difference in this world. Help us to be diligent, to be fervent in spirit on this. Lord, may we dedicate ourselves to studying and knowing this book. May we give ourselves to praying and seeking the Holy Spirit's power to rest upon.